We want to jump back in this series about the heart of praise and worship. This is week six. This is a foundational piece of your life. You know, we are real big here about we are to walk by the faith of God through life. That we're not to be moved by what we see or feel on the outside. We're never moved by outside things. We're only moved by the inside. We're to walk in the love of God. So that means that we love the unlovable and we love unconditionally. And we're never moved to love or not love. We just love people because we walk in the love of God. We're also commanded to be led by the Spirit of God. That literally he is our teacher, our guide, he's our strengthener, he's our comforter. He is the one that's going to abide with you forever. He is the mighty Holy Spirit. He's in you. He wants to be upon you. He's the anointing. So how do we do this? The foundation of how to walk by faith, how to walk in love, how to be led by the Spirit, how to walk out God's plan for your life is all found in the secret place of worship. We don't talk about this enough. So I want to review just a little bit, and then we want to get into some things. We're just going to take our time. Uh, you know, I only have about 30 pages of notes, or actually, I'm sorry, 31 pages of notes, uh, but we're never going to get there, right? But we're going we're gonna to get just as far as we're to get. A revelation of true worship. A revelation. Now, when I say revelation, that only comes from the Holy Spirit. This is not something you figure out. This is not a physical thing. This is not music. Like we just, we just had a spiritual worship experience. We did not have a musical experience. It was not entertainment. It was people opening their heart to their God. And then him responding to that passionate pursuit of his presence. That's worship. So it's, so it's so important. It's a foundational piece of your life. The call of God upon your life, the plan and the purpose of God to be revealed in your life, walking out everything that God has in your life, has its foundation in a worship relationship with God. And this is why it's, it's Satan, who used to be Lucifer, was the worship leader in heaven. And he knows how to pervert worship. And he knows how to use music to pervert it and turn the focus off of a pursuit of God to a pursuit of self. And so most believers don't know what worship is. They think it's what they do before you know, the guy comes up and gives a nice little sermon. But it's not. It's not the, it's, 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 it's the foundation. Everything that happens in our church, if you'll notice how awesome everything is. Like, like, did you notice we just came, had this incredible presence of God, and then Leanne gets up and gives announcements and we had fun, but did you notice that the atmosphere didn't change? It was, it was different, but it didn't change. And then now you could sense the Holy Spirit. He's moving right now. Why? Because hearts are open. The anointing of God, utterance that comes from the Spirit of God today, it's more dependent on us to receive than it is on me as a pastor. My goal 
every time I get in the pulpit. I, I, I'm, I'm always, Lord, think through my mind, speak through my mouth, and I thank you for the honor of flowing with you. You know, you anoint me, change me into a different man so that I can get out of your way and you could have your way in a service because we've come to hear from him. Well, this place of worship, this secret place is the foundation. So many people are seeking the hand of God. They're seeking his right or left hand. Oh Lord, I'm sick and I just need to be healthy. Oh Lord, I'm, 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 I need more finances. And the reality of that is, is that a, is that a, a true statement? Yeah. Is there anything wrong with it? No. God wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to walk strong and be healthy and all these things. But if you seek his hand, his hand, the right and left hand of wisdom, is a long, healthy life and riches and honor, the honor that comes with riches. God says if you seek his hand, you'll never get it. You have to seek him. Because these things come, they overtake you. As you seek him, God harvests into your life. If you don't have a foundation and understand how to enter this place, this secret place of one-on-one, -one, spirit to spirit, communication and communing, habitation with your God, if you, if you, if you never learn that, you'll always... All your prayers will be bringing all this baggage all the time and your whole life will just all be about you and, and the enemy will trip you up. He'll get you more concerned about you than, than the reality of your life. And, you, and you'll miss out on so much. But no more, because we're learning these things, right? It's a place. I, I'm really at a loss to teach you about it because... It's, it's hard to find words. It changes everything. I mean, I, I literally, my life goes, I, I live in this place. It's, it's amazing. And, and I never even knew it existed. I thought that I'd, I've gone to church my whole life and I thought I've had great experiences in worship, but nothing is like when you enter the secret place and he shows up. Because while you're in this inner court, one-on-one -on -one with him, he's on the outside in the outer court working everything in your life out. And all of a sudden, you, you come out of that place dripping with a residue of his presence. And you're able to keep your flesh under control. You're able to make decisions in your life to follow him. You become courageous enough to seize hold of the things that he has for you. You get over yourself and you stop playing all this denial game and, all, and, and you know, living your life out of inner turmoil. That inner turmoil goes away. And all of a sudden you notice that what you've been believing God for is showing up in your life. Whereas before it never was. Because this is what we do with God. Here's what we do with God, and this is why a lot of prayers don't get answered. So you be God. So I come to you and I give you my, my situation, and, uh, and I thank you for it, and then I do this, 
And because I, I, get, I get concerned about it and I take it back and I try to work it out and then I give it to you and then I'm going to get a little stressed out again because I stop looking at you and I start, I, I start oh my gosh, and, and, and then I, I grab it back and then I'm all stressed out and, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, I just need to go to this meeting or that meeting or read this book or do this and, I, and then I, I watch a message or listen to a message and, and I hear my answer and I get all excited and I'm just, I'm looking at God and I'm so excited and then I give it to him and I'm like, oh, I'm healed, praise God. God. And then pretty soon some things start distracting me and I get out of faith and I start looking at other things and I grab it back. And we do that our whole life. And we wonder why our bodies don't get better or our situation doesn't change. It's because we keep grabbing it back. But when you're in the secret place one-on-one, you know him. And you're just going... No, I'm never getting my eyes off of him. I'm never going to get my eyes on how long is this thing going to take. I don't have time for that because I'm just so in awe of who he is. And I'm no longer the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed, so sickness has got to leave my body. I'm no longer the person that's in... That, 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 that is just dripping with lack and poverty. No, no, I'm the blessed so that this lack and poverty has to leave my life. But it leaves my life without me focusing on it. I'm focused on him. This is, this is the secret place. Whatever calling and anointing the Lord is developing in you, is birthing in you, it has to be found in true worship. I'm telling you, you could seek God for God's plan for your life for 30 years, and you, could, you can get your next step in three seconds in, his, in this secret place. I mean, just instantly. It just, it just moves you. Worship We said this, there's no single verse in the Bible that defines worship, but yet it is a common thread that goes all throughout the Word of God. You see it, once you understand worship, you see it everywhere. You see it everywhere. We've looked at some things, right? Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas gave us a picture of a secret place of worship. One of the greatest churches of its day were birthed out of that. Psalm 91 gives us a perfect Example of this secret place of worship? Hallelujah. Worship, again, it's not a musical term. It's an all or nothing, unreserved. I'm not reserved. I'm just, I'm wide open. Unconditional heart response. That's what worship is. Heart response to what? To his presence. That's what worship is. It's all or nothing. It's not I'm partway in. God wants you all in. See, partway in, that's not faith. All in is faith. You have to see that. All in is Zoe life. 99% in, not Zoe life. So in the secret place, you are seeing things And you're being changed and transformed to where when you leave and you're going throughout your day, you really didn't leave. You're still living on that residue of who he is. Why do people not read their Bible? 
Because they simply don't know him. Why? Because their eyes, they're feeding on other things. But I'm here to tell you today, if you're born again, if you've invited Jesus into your heart, you are a radical, on fire for God person who desires nothing more than to know him intimately. But you might be sitting there going, well, wait, Pastor, I just don't feel that way. Yeah, feelings have nothing to do with it. Because your flesh will always try to pull you away. But when you choose to believe him and you walk away from this what you see and what you feel thing, all of a sudden you talk about feel. You talk about experience. Wow, it's awesome. So this is big. Worship, as we said, has a destination. We passionately pursue his presence with no agenda other than to know him. That's really hard in our society, right? Because we're used to multitasking. So I'm passionately pursuing you, God, while I'm doing 50,000 other things. No, no. Just passionately pursue him. Guess what? All those other things that you need to do, you'll get them done better and faster while you're passionately pursuing him. Worship is a destination. It happens as he responds. God's not looking at your outer He's looking at your heart. And his response to you, the Bible says you draw near to him with a heart of full assurance of faith and, and worship happens as he responds to that. How much he responds depends on how passionately you pursue him. Because God will not violate your will. He won't give you 40% of him if you only want 20%. And here's the thing, your spirit wants all of him. Your flesh wants none of him. The enemy wants you to have none of God. So he'll always try to ignite your flesh by throwing thoughts in your mind. But oh, if you just meditate in the word and keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll live above all of it. Because any power that can come against you is nothing compared to the power that's within you. I love that. Worship occurs when God responds. And we said this, we said worship is an attitude of your heart. You'll never get away from that. Worship is a passionate pursuit of his presence. It's an attitude of my heart. I must choose this. A heart consumed with worship is not consumed about the news. It's not consumed about the next day. It's not even concerned about it. It's literally, you're in the moment. You're in the moment. It's not concerned about the demands of life. So we have praise. You know, we come, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise, right? The destination is worship. So as we praise the Lord, what happens? See, have you ever noticed as you start thanking him for what he's done in your life. Like, like here's an example. You want a better marriage? Here, here's, let, me, let me do some marriage counseling right now. This is a free marriage seminar. It'll be the shortest one you'll have. You don't have to read a book. What you do is you take a piece of paper, or if you're a techie, just carry your smartphone, and you start making a list in everything you like and are thankful for about your spouse. And, and forget about everything else. 
And, and do that for a week. It'll take you seven days. Because what happens is you get so focused on, on life and the negative sense seems to jump out, especially if you're living in your flesh because you'll, you'll just be prone to slant to the negative all the time. But just for seven days, you walk around and you keep adding to that list. For some people, if your marriage is in crisis, it might take you a few days to get something on the list. Don't worry about it. Just ask the Lord to help you. Okay, Lord, I really want to do this. It's been four days and I've got nothing for my husband. Right? And the Lord will start having to help you. He'll help you. But pretty soon, things will start coming up, or your wife, or whatever. And then, then what happens is you have this list, and you start walking around all day, every day. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for my husband. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for this benefit of them and that. They do this that's so wonderful and that. And, and forget about all the other stuff. And if you only have two things on the list or one thing on the list, then you just keep thanking them for that. And what will happen as you do that, see, you're starting to ignite your spirit, so then you'll start to see other parts of them, and the list will get bigger. And if you just focus on that Thanksgiving, it'll change your marriage in a very short period of time. Literally, just change it. You can do that with your kids. Because you got to speak life over your kids when you're being pressed not to. Right? So, so be thankful, but thanksgiving with this whole thing. So I'm thankful for all that God's done for me. See, found people find people. The, the greatest revelation that I'm thankful for every day of my life is I'm not spiritually dead. I'm alive. I'm saved. And so I thank God. And what happens now, I enter his gates with thanksgiving, but then I go into the courts and I start praising him. And that happens as I get a revelation from the Holy Spirit of the greatness of who God is. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, God, you are so great. And I start praising him for his greatness. Now, God's not on some ego trip. He's excited because now, see, I'm on my way to the destination of worship. And he knows in that place, I could turn him on like nothing else because he can get over to me everything. He loves giving to me. He loves imparting things to me. You too. It's who God is. So, so now I'm just, I get a revelation of his greatness and it helps fuel my praise. And see, as I'm doing this, I notice my eyes are not on me anymore. So what's happening is everything I came to him with, all the needs of my life, as I get a revelation of his greatness, all these things that seem so big that I just chose not to focus on anymore, when I get a revelation of, their, of his greatness, they become very small. And so I just let him, let him go. I'm like, oh yeah, he, God's bigger than this. He's got this. Now, what I'm, I'm teaching this whole series right now, I wasn't planning on doing this, but this is, this is how it works. So then, you kind of let go. You're in the courts, and you're just praising him for his greatness. And then, what's happening as you're doing this is your focus is completely off you and completely on him. Most believers have never experienced this for an extended period of time because 
when your whole focus is on him, you actually start to get transformed into his image. It just happens. It's a spiritual law. And all of a sudden, see, you'll know who you are. Worshiping God will literally define your identity. It's hilarious. And you'll see that who you are, you're just, I'm the Tony form of Jesus. Which my mind can't comprehend because he's so great and I'm Tony. But what it is, is I realize that you can't really separate him from me. Because he's in me and I'm in him. And we're actually one spirit, so literally there's no, where does he end and where do I begin? I'm just lost in him. Boy, I'll tell you, insecurities kind of fall away there. Fear, fear's gone. So now, my heart's open. I'm in the courts of praise. I've got a revelation of his greatness. And because I'm passionately pursuing his presence... My father, who was happy with me always anyway, he starts moving. He starts, he starts drawing near to me. And I get a revelation. I know I'm moving towards that destination of worship because worship happens only after a revelation of God's holiness. And all of a sudden, I start to see him as he really is. See, most people, they don't, they, their picture of God, a lot of people, their picture of God is here's God. So they're on the earth and here's God. Right? Up top, you know what? Uh, I'm going to kind of move this piece over here and cause a little trouble to test them. See if they're really loyal to me. That's what they think God does. And here's God. He's, he's, his eyes are looking all over the earth to see who he could show himself strong on the behalf of. Who he could reach out and help. All the time. So now in worship, I get a revelation of his holiness and I start to see who he really is. And here is a word that describes God. He is irresistible. He's all-consuming irresistible. Everything, I love the song, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know what that is? That's the secret place of worship. So I'm getting a revelation. Now see, the revelation of his greatness never leaves. This thankful heart's not leaving. This praise is happening, but now he's responding. That's, that's, that's worship. It's the destination. And I come and see the destination is a one-on-one -on -one habitation with him. Face-to-face -face, where I'm in the inner court with him now. No distractions, no fear. And I'm peering into him. And he's imparting into me. And while I'm there, he's in my life working all the situations of my life that are not where I'm at. They're in the outer court. I don't, I don't have them anymore. And he's working all of them out. And it's in that place. Sometimes in worship, you'll find yourself declaring who you are in him, declaring you're healed, you know, thanking him 
for, for healing and strengthening your body. I mean, all these things start happening, and that's worship. It's a destination. That's what we're talking about. Worship is setting your heart, not your mind, but your heart on God. I love it. John 4, 23 says this, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. See, he seeks such to worship him because it's in this place that he can pour into you. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. Praise is a physical expression or a physical offering to God. God does not change. Now, we know this. So there isn't anything about praise that will ever change God. Praise changes and edifies or builds us up. And we, but see, we must deliberately purpose. It's an attitude. We have to purpose in our heart and deliberately choose to praise him. Praise is triggered by an act of your will. If you never act to praise the Lord, you're never going to walk in a revelation of his greatness and you're always going to think your problems are bigger than your God. It, it's just, there's no way around it. But there's a place, and here's what I'm here to tell you. You might not feel like it, but don't worry about that. It's just because you've been feeding on wrong things, or maybe you just need to grow a little bit, and you need to give it up a little more, whatever. We're all there. We're all in the same boat. This is why we need each other. But your spirit, who you are, is designed to live in this place. Fear is foreign to a believer. I don't have a spirit of fear. To be honest with you, fear can't even impact my spirit. It just impacts my flesh. Tries to war against the law of my mind to keep me from the word, but if I don't let it, I don't ever have to be fearful again. Praise is triggered by an act of our will. And here it is, praise is a physical reflection or it's a physical expression of my heart. So when I'm praising God, it's a physical expression and reflection of my heart. And God, see, here's the thing. If you come to church and you're like this, but your heart is heavy, right? That doesn't work. I, I say heart. Let me get this right. When we say heart in this, we're really talking about your soulish realm. Because your spirit's all out for God. But the controlling factor of your life is your soul. you got to renew your mind. So see, if you're, if you're here thinking that you're just this old wretch, you're full of shame and inner turmoil and all this stuff in your mind, but yet you're like this outwardly, well, that doesn't bless God because he's looking at your heart. Now, I will say this, though. This will help you get, to get, get yourself together. Some of you might need to learn how to shout. Some might just need to, you might just need to jump up out of your seat and run. 
just, just be like, okay, I don't feel like this. I'm a little embarrassed, right? But, but I'm doing it. And sometimes when you respond with this physical expression, you're, it'll get your mind in the right place where your spirit kicks in and then you're there. I hope this is making sense to you. This is such a new subject. We've relied on smoke and lights and technology to try to create a worship service, but you know it can't. Right? Mark and I, we went to New York to a Hillsong worship conference. Which, So I'm here in this room with several thousand believers. And they got the coolest technology. You know, Hillsong knows how to do it right. But I got to tell you, nothing was happening if it wasn't the anointing and if his presence wasn't there. And you saw a bunch, thousands of Christians weeping and just, oh God. You saw others that were just acting crazy, you know? And, and you know, some of them, their lifestyle is a mess. And here's what religion would say, stay away until you can come here right. Here's what God would say, come here, get crazy, we'll deal with the other stuff. But man, if you could just get in with me with no distractions, I'll cause all that junk to fall off of you. Because God is not moved by your disobedience. His grace can't even be compared to your disobedience. And for you to walk free of anything in your life, to have the courage to say, God, I'm going to live my life according to your word. That takes courage. I remember in my life think, saying that. And every time I'd say that, there'd be one or two things that I wasn't willing to give up. Right? I don't care what it is. It is not as good as he is. But what we're talking about, see, you got to get to this place. Because then you'll see how good he is. Some people sit in church their whole life and they hear messages and they're like this. Now, now if you're sitting here, because a lot of you are like this, but, but you're like, I'm really engaged. But you know what I mean. It's like there's a Teflon coating around them because they're just not here. Right? You know, when I preach, I look at you. But you know, I'm really not looking at you. I mean, I, so, so don't ever, like people will leave and say, oh, pastor, I'm so sorry I had to leave, or, or this, or, or you know, whatever. I'm, I don't notice stuff. Sometimes I might preach and I might use an example, and then somebody will say, oh my gosh, pastor, you said this in the service, and I'm like, I did? I'm never thinking, if I ever say anything that fits you, I'm not thinking of you, because that would be witchcraft. That's manipulation right? Holy Spirit's not into that at all. He loves you. So here we go. It prays, it, it affects me. Praise is the confirmation that I'm on my way to the destination, which is worship. I enter his courts with thanksgiving or at gates with thanksgiving. I enter his courts with praise, and now I know I'm getting a revelation of his greatness, and I know, man, I'm on my way. I'm letting things go. I'm getting focused on him. My heart is getting laser-focused on him because that's why I've been created. And freedom comes 
forgiveness, a revelation that you're forgiven, a revelation that he's greater than any mess that you've ever created. A freedom comes into your life, not that you're now being made free. No, no, you're getting a revelation that you are free. It all comes here. Praise is our response to a revelation of our hearts, of his greatness. Ha, ah, I love it. I'll finish with this review. It is impossible to experience this hidden place of his presence and not be changed. It is impossible to reach this place in his presence and not be changed. Impossible. It's impossible to experience this hidden place of his presence and not carry away an eternal impartation, which is a residue of his presence. So when you come into this place, it is impossible for you not to be changed, and it's impossible for you not to carry out of this place an eternal, this means it never ends, impartation from him. Do you know everything God imparts unto you? It's, it's not like natural things. Where you, something you impart. You know, you impart a drug into your body and it works for so long or a supplement and it works for so long and it kind of wanes and then you have to take it again. With God, it's not like that. He imparts something that's eternal in you. And you, when you leave, it'll be there. How long will it be there? You're all your time on this earth? No, 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 way beyond that. Forever. Because it's, it's, it's a part of him that he's imparting unto you. And then the next time you're there, he'll impart other things, and you'll carry away that too, but you'll also have the other. And day after day, you get more and more of him. And the more and more that you have of him, the less and less you'll have of your flesh. And pretty soon, all the world sees is Jesus. And it's cool, because this is what it is. I'm a Christian, and now, you know, I'm growing in him, and I just, you know, I just, you, 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 your flesh wants, you're like, oh my gosh, I want to do this, and you're like, no. And you're like, wow, that's really cool. That really bugged me forever, and now it doesn't bug me as much. But then you start, then the enemy will start thinking, well, you just don't know enough. You need to know more. You got to be like Pastor Tony, who knows everything. What you don't really realize is, is Pastor Tony thinks he doesn't really know hardly anything. Because the more you get to know him, the more you realize you don't know. But you're so excited about that because you got eternity. And all you have to know about God, one, one drop that is so small that you can't even see it of his presence, one drop of that residue is a million times more powerful, can't even be compared to all the demonic powers that could ever come against you. Man, this is worship. This longing of the heart for God's presence this is the cornerstone of your life. The foundation on which God desires to build and frame your life. See, if you build a house, they'll lay a foundation. The foundation is this place for a Christian. And it's upon this place that God will start to frame and build your life. Most believers, they've never experienced this. 
And so they, it's masked because, you know, I, I went to college and I have this certain career that pays well, so I drive a pretty good car, I got a nice house, and, you know, I really, I love God, and I, I feel, you know, all my bills are paid, and I, I just look really good on the outside, and I'm probably going to ask to be on the board of a church or whatever, and, and people are going to think I'm really spiritual because of the way I look on the outside. And that's all really nice, but brother or sister, when you get pressed, and trust me, if you're living on the earth, you'll get pressed. You're going to find out what's really on the inside. God loves it when the enemy comes at his child who lives in that place and presses his child because all that comes out is God's glory and power. And you sit there and you go, I'm not trying to get the victory. I'm sitting here going, I already have it. Right. Satan will talk to you about what you don't have and you're like, I already have it. And he'll say, but you can't see it. And you're like, you think I can't see it. I can see it. Yeah, but look with your natural eyes. No, no, I don't look by that. I don't walk by what I, I don't look at what I see. I look at what I can't see. And he goes, what? It's okay, you're spiritually dead. You'll never understand, right? And by the way, I'm glad because I want to spend eternity as far away from you as possible, right? Because I'm, I, I, I rightly divide the word Satan and I don't, I don't sit there and I take that scripture, don't let the sun go down on your anger, which is in every marriage book you could ever buy, and, and think that you could fight like cats and dogs all day, but, but make sure to obey God. you got to forgive and get over your anger before the sun goes down. You know, the guy's looking out the window, oh man, the sun's almost down, wife, you're a jerk. No, no. No, no, no. That wasn't written. That wasn't written about that. It was written to say we are never to ever, 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 ever stop hating Satan and all that he is. I hate sin. I hate him. Right? If, if you ever start to not hate him, you'll start playing with him. And you'll allow him a little bit in your life. And he'll mess you up because he's a master deceiver. And all roads lead to death with him, even though they might not feel like it at first. I remember the story that Lester Summerall, he was an old man, minister of the gospel. He was preaching in our church in Southern California. And he was talking about a vision he had when he was a young man. And he said, the Lord, he had the vision. And there was this, there was this hill with this, this road. And the people were on this road and he could see people. He's, and he's standing at the end of this road and right here at the end of the road is a cliff that dropped off into hell. Flames, everything. And the people up here on this road, on this hill, are just laughing and they're happy and they're having fun and they're partying and they're just, they're just enjoying life. And then as he watched, he watched the people and they're just enjoying life. But the people that were getting close all of a sudden, they're getting close to this edge, and they didn't see it up there, but down here, they're like, oh my gosh, this road goes off this cliff into hell. And so people, you see him, he said, you started seeing people starting to push back and go, wait, whoa, 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 no, I don't want to, because everybody, people were just, he said, people were just falling off here, screaming, lost. And people would be fighting for their lives, but because of the pressure, they couldn't stop because they were being pushed. 
And, and he said, as a young man in this vision, he would see the faces of people right before they would go off. And he's standing there as this old man, you know, old as dirt. How old was Lester when he preached? He looked like he was old as dirt, right? <laughs> and he's standing up, now big on the inside, young on the inside, but old as dirt on the outside, right? And he's standing there and he goes, the Lord told me that if I didn't do what he called me to do, that these are the people that would be lost. And, and he said this, he told this story, and at the end of the service, he did an altar call, and people received the Lord. But he said, he goes, and I think he'd been in ministry 50 or 60 years at the time, it's a long time, and he said, you know, my whole life, everywhere I go to preach, he says, I see the faces while I'm preaching. He goes, I'll see the faces that I saw. I see their face. And every time we do an altar call, they get saved. See, this is what God, this is what this is all about. God wants you to live your life and enjoy it. But see, in this place, is how God frames your house and builds your life. So praise God. I've been preaching to you for 42 minutes, and I'm just now on page one. <laughs> praise God. Hallelujah. So in Matthew chapter 6, turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Hallelujah. We're going to probably start in verse 5. But in Matthew chapter 6, we said this, the last time we talked about this, that Jesus is speaking about eight random, unrelated subjects. You know, he's speaking to the people. He speak, it talks about giving, prayer, fasting, personal treasures, life, money, and where your heart is. He's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about the cares of this world. All independent subjects... But we see in this message, there's a common thread. I remember when the Lord asked me that. Tony, what's the common thread here? And I saw it instantly. And here's the common thread. It's a common thread, which means, and this is it, the focus of your heart, okay? I'd write this down. Dictates the resulting rewards. The focus of your heart dictates the resulting rewards that you walk in. The focus, you could write it this way, the focus of your heart will determine what you walk in. How much you receive from God is determined not by what he wants for you, it's determined by your heart, the attitude of your heart. See, it's not a matter of what God can do, it's a matter of what you can believe him for. Because God's already done everything. It's a matter now of you laying hold of it. So this is huge. And, and so now if we look at, let, let's go to verse 5 here. Because, and I, I read the first four verses last time. You could get that message and listen to it. But this is what I want you to see. We're going to talk about this just a little bit. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 5, he says this. And when, this word when in the Greek means whenever, you pray, you should not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues 
and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when, or but, or but you, whenever you pray, enter into your closet. This, this, this word closet is the Greek word that means inner room. It means a most private room. It means an inner chamber. In Matthew chapter 24, this, this Greek word was translated secret chamber. God is saying, but you, whenever you enter into this inner secret chamber, you could say it this way, but you, when you pray, now what is praying? It's communing with God. When you pray, what do you do here? Enter, step number one is I've got to enter this inner room. And when you shut your door, notice this inner room, as we said last time, the door's always open. Always. God says you could come to this secret place whenever you want. But when you come, you're going to have to shut the door. What, do, what does he mean by this? You're going to have to shut this door and leave everything else outside this door. Because he wants to commune with you. When you have shut the door, pray to your father which is in secret, and your father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. This, this Matthew 6, 6, it's the cornerstone of instruction on prayer. But Jesus is not speaking in literal physical expressions. He's speaking in physical or spiritual terms. He's not speaking of a physical location, but a spiritual place, a secret place. Verse 6, it says, But you, whenever you pray, enter into your secret place. See, this secret place, as we were saying, it's his habitation. Now, God is omnipresent. He's here. He's everywhere you are. You can never be separated from him. But I got to tell you, there's a place in his presence that's inner room. And that's what we're talking about here. The secret place, it's the lodging of his presence. It's the secret place within his presence. It says in this place, whenever you pray, you enter your secret place. You shut the door. That's number two. Number three, pray to your father or commune with your father. Now, if you look at this, each step is necessary for the next. You first, before you could shut a door, you've got to enter the place. And before you commune with him, you're going to have to shut the door. What is your door? Could your door be finances? Could your door be health? What is your door? Here's the good news. The Holy Spirit knows the door. And he'll help you. Because what is his job? To lead you into all the truth. He'll tell you exactly what you need to leave on the outside. Do you know there are problems in your life that maybe you don't even know yet? There's areas of maybe your mind that's been unrenewed that you don't even know. See, so if you decide, I've got to be perfect before God's really going to do anything for me, good luck with that. 
right? Because there's always going to be things. And all those things don't matter to him. He just wants you to give them to him. Because I got news for you. We get all religious and we clean ourselves up and we're trying, see, we're trying to, to look good in front of everybody else, right? You know, I wasn't really excited all week about coming to church with the back of my head looking the way it was. Yeah, literally. I mean, you guys are, it was funny yesterday when I came to the picnic, people are like, hey, pastor, hey, whoa, whoa, what's going on? I had several military people try to give me a job. Hey, have you thought about? But, but literally, you know, there's always going to be things. But here, you, this is why we preach the word. You got to know God loves you. He knows you. Everything that you might be hiding from every See, this is what, when you hide things from others, you know what's bad about that is you're really hiding things from yourself. Because you'll get self-deceived really quick. What's funny, and here's the other thing, everybody sees it. People will think, well, nobody could tell. No, people can tell. But guess what? We're all up to here with us, right? And when you, when you passionately pursue the Lord, you just get your eyes off what everybody else is doing because you just want him. And the more, you, the more you can embrace him, the less you'll have of you, and that's wonderful. Boy, I'm just talking about a lot of things, but I'm saying a lot of things. I hope I'm answering some questions. So here, each step is essential to the rest. So God has, he's already established in this passage that the Godward focus of the heart is what's foremost to God in every area that he was talking about, all eight areas, every area of your life. The God focus of your heart is everything. So prayer, it's literally communing with the Father. What does commune mean? To commune means to talk intimately, to receive, literally the word commune means to receive holy communion. It talks about an intimacy. So the primary purpose of prayer is to talk intimately, to commune, to have intimate communication with God. So Matthew 6, 6 again, and when you have shut the door... This is the key that establishes God's foremost purpose for prayer as a worship event. Your prayer is to be a worship event. But the key that establishes prayer as a worship event is you have to shut the door. So what's your door? You know, you know I had a door in my life that I never even knew was there, and it was keeping me out. It was, it was worthlessness. I thought I was worthless. It was a door. Oh, my gosh. When, that, when I shut that door, everything in my life changed. I saw a different part of him, which caused me to see a different part of me. Either there is a vibrant, active, personal, intimate relationship growing, or there's no communion with God and no response from God. This is why being a carnal Christian, it stinks for us. 
because your spirit is perfect and it, there's inner turmoil because you don't like what you're doing. And then your mind's unrenewed, so you start thinking what you're doing is who you really are, and then you beat yourself up all day, and then, you know, Satan's beating you up, you're beating yourself up, he'll bring people in your life to beat you up. I mean, it just becomes nonsense. But when you realize, wait a minute, when Jesus said it is finished, when he said whoever the Son is made free is indeed free, what? You mean I sit here feeling totally bound and have evidence of it in my whole life, but God, you're literally telling me I'm free? I wonder who's right. I'm here to tell you, God's right. Amen. Oh, this preaching, people will say that's a bunch of nonsense. No, that's Bible. God loves you. Most of what we call prayer never gets close to a secret place encounter with the living God. Many believers have never experienced a true encounter with God on a personal face-to-face -face level. And your Father, now think about this, the God of the universe longs for you to be in that place with Him. Wow. You know, if some celebrity came up, have you ever met a celebrity? I mean, if they're really nice, they'll meet you. And you're just like going, wow. I remember the first time, you know, I walked in a room and saw this incredible basketball player. He was my hero my whole life. And I'm in New York at a business thing with the company I work for. And there he is, Julius Irving, Dr. J. All the young people are going, who's that? Right? <laughs> And he stand. It was a year he was. It was a year that he was retiring. And man, I, I got to talk to him. And uh, you know, he's a born again Christian. And and I'm thinking to myself, this is the coolest thing in the world. But you know, to Julius Irving, he's just Julius. And and everybody wants to meet him. Do you know if I walked up to him two days later, he probably wouldn't have remembered who I was. Because, you know, I saw him and Larry Bird signing autographs at the Converse booth. And it was, it was a mile-long line to get their autograph. He met a lot of people. But, but we're not talking about somebody on such a low level as like a, a star athlete in the world today. We're talking about the God of the universe. And he longs to spend one-on-one -on -one time with you. And in part, himself and a residue of himself that will literally last you for eternity. Every time you come and spend time with him. Oh, Satan doesn't want you to ever do that. What complicates prayer is the baggage which we approach the secret place with. Now, some of you might be saying, well, now wait a minute. So God doesn't ever want me to ask him for everything, anything? No, 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 no. No, he does. Yeah, you got junk, go there. He'll stir you. But here's the thing. Like, like, like right now we're in a building thing where we're raising a quarter of a million dollars, right? Which is kind of funny because we're really not raising it. We're laying hold of it. Because God's already given it to us. We just can't see it. But, it. but the angels are out there working and all this stuff, right? 
So, so here's the thing. So everything I'm trying to pursue, I already have. So literally, what do you do? What is there to do? Father, we need, we need about 200, we estimate $240,000 so we could have heating and air conditioning in here. Praise God. So we claim this money in Jesus' name. Now, Satan, we command you to take your hands off this money in the earth system. In Jesus' name, we bind you. Now, angels, you go out. You're sent forth to minister to us as heirs of salvation. So you go into the world system and get this money. What's left to do? Thank him. Am I ever going to have to carry that into the secret place again? Never. So do you see this? Our prayers, we keep asking God and asking God. and ask. No, 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 no. See, in, if you look at this Matthew chapter 6, it's amazing. Two times in this chapter, in verse 8 and verse 32, he assures us that the Father knows what we have need of before we ask. Why does he do that? So that we don't carry it into this place. Once you call for it, hey, Father, I need this. I believe I received my healing. All that's left to do is thank him. But you won't know that if you don't get to the secret place. You'll keep looking at your body and wondering why this isn't working. And year after year, nothing's changing. But three seconds with him, face to face, and it'll last you an eternity. You'll be like, oh, my gosh. God is so great. He's so big. The foolishness of preaching. Our baggage determines if this is to become a vertical encounter or simply a horizontal event. Vertical me and God and I, secret place. Or is it just going to be a horizontal event? Oh, a time I spent in prayer with God. This lasts forever. This is kind of surfacy. You know, there's different levels of communication. This with God is like me walking down the hall. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Good. How are you doing, Pastor? Great. Hallway talk. Nothing there. Versus, hey, my friend, let's talk about what we believe. Face to face. See, God, God wants that with you. We can't shut the door because we're so attached to what we need from him. And, and, and see, he understands. He understands that because, God, my body's hurting. Right? I mean, it's hilarious. I come to the fall picnic. It, it's amazing kind of what happens in my life. I come to the fall picnic yesterday, and I'm having a great time. And I get in a car. Uh, my son's driving one of the military vehicles, Dr. Kirshner's military vehicles, and he's driving one. I'm following them to where they have them parked and everything. And, and I get out of my car at the motor pool, and my left foot, I can hardly walk. And it's hurting. So then, Pastor Mark's over last night. We're watching a Husker game. And I mean, I, I literally could not put any weight on it. And so I'm thinking, you know, I love Brother Hagen, 
And I saw him minister when he was an old man, but I don't want to walk like him tomorrow when I'm preaching. <laughs> and I even called Dr. Kirshner. Hey, do I, you know, do I need to get this x-rayed? What do you think? What all this other stuff? But, but I don't have to do that. Right? Why? Because I'm anything? No, but God's my healer. But I won't know that if I don't get in that secret place with him. If you can't shut the door, it just means you're up to here with what you need from him. And, and you can't focus on who he really is, so you can't really get imparted what he needs to get over to you. If we shut the door on the distractions, fear is removed from the equation. you got to hear this. Because there's some people that I'm so afraid of this and I'm so afraid of that. Man, you're so blessed to come to church today. Because when you enter the secret place and you shut the door, the minute you hear the door shut, there is no fear. It's actually removed from the equation. Fear can't come in that broom. Fear cannot exist where there's faith. Isn't that awesome? So that you got to know, you want to overcome fear? Come to the secret place. God is saying to separate yourself from all the distractions of your present life. All you have to do is want to do that. The Holy Spirit will do the rest and lead you into the secret place. You don't have to figure it out. It's the, to be honest with you, it's the easiest thing you'll ever do. Not, or it's the simplest thing you'll ever do. It's not easy because your flesh, your flesh is like, no, I do not want to go in that room because I can't have my way in that room. But your spirit's like, oh my gosh, I want to live in this room because really all I want is God's way. That's what we deal with. We are not saying that there is anything improper about praying for your needs, but we got to prioritize. Listen, your life could be a complete disaster, and I bet maybe five to ten minutes you can probably pray everything out that you need and be done with it one time and spend the rest of your time shutting the door and just thanking him and praising him and worshiping him and having him impart things to you so that when you leave, you walk outside the door and you're like, wait, I thought I left a bunch of stuff. And it's just fixed. Could it be that easy? Yes. Because you're an heir of salvation. Oh, you're an heir. You have an inheritance. I love it. Matthew 6, 6 goes on to say, you pray to the Father which is in secret and your Father which sees in secret. In other words, your heavenly Father is watching over the secret place. Do you notice in that scripture where it talks about, well, actually, 2 Chronicles 16.9, you could put it up on the screen. 2 Chronicles 16.9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong, this means, this, Greek, this Hebrew word means show, to show himself strong, or it means to strengthen, 
to sustain and to encourage in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. The word perfect in the Hebrew language means fully committed. What does it mean to be fully committed? It means you shut the door. It means, God, I'm leaving everything out here. See, this place where his eyes are running to and fro through the whole earth, you know where his eyes are going? They're going from secret place to secret place to secret place to secret place because his eyes are watching in the secret place. Well, why? Well, because it's only in the secret place that your will will allow him to impart him. So it's in that place where you're just, you are over yourself. When God said, get over yourself, you know what he was telling me to do? Shut the door. I want you to live here where we're face to face. Your eyes are on me. And here's the cool thing. My eyes are on you because when my eyes are on you, I'm able to do what? Strengthen you. Sustain you through any trial. And what? And encourage you. Nobody encourages like God. He's watching for the worshipers within each of our hearts to willingly lay aside all else to be eyewitnesses of his majesty. That's the thing. Do you know the whole world? You have people, my daughter and I were talking about it this morning, you have people that will use every excuse why I don't go to church, why I'm not a Christian, why I don't believe in God, but you know what it is? Is reality, I don't care what the excuse is. Well, I've been hurt in church. Okay, has any, is there anybody here who hasn't been hurt in a church? I mean, that'd be like impossible because the church is full of people, right? But if you think about it, so what? Because the reality, the reason why everybody doesn't accept the Lord or the reason why Christians don't enter that secret place is because I want to live my life. I've been hurt and I want to just be hurt. I want to feel sorry for myself. And in the secret place, you can't. You know why? Because there's nothing to feel sorry for yourself for. He already, he already did it all. He did it all. He gave you everything pertaining to life and godliness. But it says here, verse 6 of Matthew chapter 6 again, Pray to the Father which sees in secret, and thy Father which sees in secret, what? Shall reward you openly. So when you shut the door, realize this. God remembers everything that you left on the other side of the door and he moves in your behalf in all of it while you're in the secret place with him. He rewards you openly. You spend time with him and he fixes everything in your life. You spend time with him and the next thing you know, you'll start yielding all your fruit in your season. You spend time with him and all of a sudden, he'll lead you and guide you. Things will fall off of you. He'll help you lay down things you need to lay down. He'll help you embrace things you need to embrace and realizing it all, he'll help you get over yourself. In other words, in the secret place, I'm literally walking in the freedom I mean, do you realize the secret place 
is God bringing his kingdom to this earth? When we talk about days of heaven on the earth, listen, when I'm in heaven, I am not going to be concerned about anything. Right? I won't have to deal with my flesh. I won't have to deal with anything. I'm going to be in his presence. God's saying, you could have that right here. Wait till we get to John's gospel. Because we'll get away from this thing thinking Jesus is in heaven for 2,000 years building your mansion. And you will realize that Jesus, he went to prepare a place for you. He died, he died to prepare a place for you while you're here on the earth. He went, he, he literally died to prepare a secret place for you. Do you know God has a secret place one-on-one -on -one with him for every human being that's ever lived? But for you as a child of God, you've already accepted him. He's already made you brand new. Now you have that secret place. It's right there. And you, and you have access. The door's open. The, door's, the door, there's no secret place for the unbeliever yet. There is one. They just can't, they can't, they can't access it. They don't even believe it's there. They don't know it's there. But now you know it's there. Inner court, outer court is the key to this whole thing. Is it seven minutes to 12 already? Holy smokes. Okay, I'll, I'll close up here real quick. I went long. Inner court, outer court, real quick in closing. Secret place intimacy yields outer court manifestations. You know, I'm tired of going to this church. There's never any miracles. There's never... Don't blame me. Don't, don't blame me. Guys, we're all in this together. The God of heaven's ready for miracles, signs, wonders in our midst right now. Today, he's just got to get all of us into the secret place so that he can start moving. Because it'll all start with outer court manifestations. What am I saying? You live in the secret place and you're going to experience outer court manifestations in your family, in your job, in your finances, in your body, all of it. While you're in the secret place, he's working on your body. Because you're in faith and you're believing him. The devil wants to keep you in the outer court. Outer court fruit can only come from the secret place root. This is a truth. You have to understand this. The root is in the secret place and it produces the fruit in every arena in your life outwardly. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says this. Set your affections. This word in the Greek means set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. In his presence, my perspective and my priorities change. It is impossible to experience the presence of the living God and not be changed. And it's in his presence that my perspective and my priorities change. Eternal impartations deposited in your life. Guys, we're, we, in every way, 
were designed to live in the secret place. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you. You'll be safe from the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence that walks at noontime, all this stuff. Why? Because you abide. You're, you're abiding in him. So we're going to talk about this a little more. We're getting right where I want to get. This series is so important. Always realize, get rid of the distractions. Lay them down, and that's where it gets real good.